You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this exciting message from Senior Pastor Robin McMillan. What's important? What's first? What's your focus? Last week, uh, my wife Donna spoke. I don't know if how many of you were here, but if you weren't here, yeah, come on, that's good. Uh, you can get it on queencity.church under media. But she spoke to kick off the new year, and it was really just such a great, simple, and yet insightful message. And I'm going to do a little bit of review And uh, then I'm going to talk a little bit about the importance of the Word of God. And we're going to read some verses, and God's going to touch us. How about that? God's going to help us. He's going to impart to us from the Word through our faith, through our time here together. So, last week, Donna was telling us that the Lord had reminded her of a verse of Scripture... It came out of the book of um, Exodus, but it was part of the history of the fresh new beginning the children of Israel experienced when they were delivered from Egyptian slavery. And it was memorialized, that deliverance, that last um, major thrust away from Egypt um, was memorialized by the Passover And so the verse that the Lord reminded Adana, uh, of which the Lord reminded Donna, didn't want to put that preposition at the end of the sentence, did you notice that, is Exodus 12, verse 2. This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It will be the first month of the year to you. And so I'm just going to read you some of the things that Donna said. Um... She said, the Lord spoke this to Moses and Aaron concerning the tenth and final plague that he was going to bring upon the land of Egypt to convince Pharaoh to not only let his people go, but to actually send them away, to drive them out. They had been enslaved in Egypt for 430 years. Actually, the first 30 years they were there, they weren't enslaved. They were enslaved 400 years, but their total 430 years If you remember, Joseph's family were there successfully for that first part. Um, They lived there since the time of Joseph when he brought his family to Egypt to keep them alive during the seven years of famine. The Lord instructed Moses on the procedure for what became known as the Passover meal, giving them explicit instructions for choosing a lamb on the 10th day of the month, killing the lamb, putting blood on their doorposts to distinguish and protect their families from the plague that was going to come upon the land of Egypt, which was the death of the firstborn. This was a monumental event in history. It marked them, Israel, it defined them, and most importantly, it had pointed to the coming of the Lord Jesus, the true Passover lamb, the one who marks us and sets us apart to the Lord. In verse 24 of Exodus 12, God instructs them to observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. 
This was to be a beginning for them, and they were to observe it forever. If, recall, if you recall in the Old Testament, there were many occurrences where the children of Israel would set up memorials when significant things happened in the journeys of their lives. Memorials serve as a way to honor the Lord or to honor people for their bravery and to serve as reminders of good things that have occurred in our lives. Without those reminders, we're very prone to forgetfulness. We tend to naturally remember and be marked by the hard, difficult occurrences in our lives, but we often have to be intentional to recall the positive, the victories, the good things the Lord has done in our lives. This is one reason why Thanksgiving is so meaningful. And, you know, that's something I've been talking about maybe three separate occasions uh, over in December, this whole idea of Thanksgiving, how important it is. A lot of people say, I wish I knew what the will of God is. Well, I can tell you what the will of God is. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's a, man, think about it. If we don't do the ones we know, how are we going to find out the will we don't know? If we're not doing the simple things, the first things, be thankful. Okay, quit preaching and go back to preaching. It causes us to remember and rehearse the goodness of God and to allow our lives and our faith to be strengthened and defined by those things we remember or are thankful for rather than the negative events of our lives. So, in this beginning of months, the Lord gave them an ordinance or an enactment or a custom, an enactment prescribed by God uh, for them to enact as a memorial, a remembrance of that great deliverance he accomplished for them. In doing so, they would be reminded not only of who the Lord is, but who they are, his people. It was the instruction to regularly regularly remember, to be intentional, that Donna felt like the Lord was speaking to her about that morning. Remembering helps us to reset, to remember what's important, to adjust our priorities, to set our lives on a proper course. And since we're at the beginning of a new year, now's the time to remember and give place to those things that need to have preeminence in our lives. She went on to say that we have the vantage point of seeing that initial Passover as the foreshadowing of the true Passover lamb, the Lord Jesus. It's important to remember our own personal experience of Passover, our encounter with the Lord Jesus. That's a true beginning in our lives. That's what gives our lives focus, meaning, direction, purpose. It's that realization that, quote, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. And then she told several testimonies from her life and, and our life as a family to um, help understand what she felt like the Lord was really saying to her. But what the Lord was doing was speaking to Donna about beginnings, about first things, about those things that were of primary importance. And she found probably eight things in the scripture. I'm sure there are more. 
But she found a number of these things in the scripture that she felt like were of primary importance. First of all, she reminded us, and this will be the third week in a row this verse has been quoted from our, from our pulpit. It began with Andy Squires three weeks ago, Matthew six thirty three, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What are all those things? There's all those things. Um, the second thing she spoke about was the greatest commandment, which was to love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all of your mind. And the second commandment, which is likened to the first, Jesus said, and your neighbor as yourself. Um, she also made the point that what is in our hearts is God's highest priority. Jesus was in a heated conversation. I would imagine it was heated with uh, the religious, the scribes and the Pharisees. And he was making the point that you need to clean the inside of the cup. Um, it's not the outward religious posturing, mannerisms, all that sort of thing that God really, God really looks at. And the scary thing about the Lord is he knows. He knows. She talked about how important it is that we should forgive. All these are first things. That we shouldn't be critical of others. Everybody loves that message. <laughs> and the last one, it wasn't really the last one, but it's the one I'm going to talk a little bit about more this morning. Because if I read everything she read, that would be the whole message. So, The importance that Jesus placed on the scriptures. Jesus quoted the scriptures, placed the highest value on them, and understood not just the letter, but the heart, the spirit of the written word. And then Donna said this about the Bible, and I think this is, this one paragraph may be the most important thing this morning. She said, I want us to value the Bible like Jesus did. There is much that we don't understand I'm quoting her. She says, I know for myself, I'll have seasons where the Bible is, Bible is so rich and meaningful to me. And then there are times when I just feel a little lost in it. However, I've discovered that if I allow myself to doubt the integrity of the Bible, my faith wavers because it loses its anchor. However, when I value and I respect the validity of the scripture, my faith is built up. So, I'll continue to learn, I'll trust the Lord with my questions, but my faith is secured on the validity of the Bible. And so, all of that um, and more, Donna uh, shared last week. It was really, really good, just solid, substantive message, and she's such a great person. I love you, baby. Anyway. Um. I happened to mention last week something else, too, I wanted to bring up. And it's a survey um, from the Center for Bible Engagement. And they, sur they surveyed at least 40,000, even maybe upwards to 100,000 people. But I know 40,000 people between the ages of 8 and 80 over an eight-year period. And they were... Um, 
had, being the center for Bible engagement, they were trying to find out how engaged Christians are in the Bible. That's what they were doing. How often they read it. And um, here's what they found out about people that regularly, just say that word, regularly engage the Bible. People that regularly engage the Bible once a week, it has virtually no effect on their lives whatsoever. That's the survey. I'm not saying that's absolutely true. You could read one verse one time and it could change life. But over the 40,000 plus eight-year survey, they found this out in their interviews. If you read the Bible or engage it once a week, it has neg negligible effect on your life. Now, the great thing is if you read it twice a week, it has negligible effect on your life. But wait a minute. If you read it three times a week, there's a little blip on the radar screen of the effect it has on your life. If you regularly read it three times a week. But then something peculiar happens when you read it four times a week. Everything just blows up. I don't know if geometrically would be the right word because, you know, when you go to 40% better in something than zero, I don't know how you measure that. But So here's what it does. These are odds of the following things happening or not happening. When you read the Bible four times a week on a regular basis, you're 30% less likely to feel loneliness. You're 68% less likely to have sex outside of marriage. There you go. That's a good thing there. You're 32% less likely to be angry. You're 40% less likely to feel bitter. You're 57% less likely to get drunk. You're 60% less likely to feel spiritually stagnant, you're 59% less likely to view pornography. You're 228% more likely to share your faith. You're 230% more likely to try to disciple someone else. You're 44% less likely to feel like you can't please God. You're 416% more likely to give money to the church. You're 31% less, you have 31% less difficulty forgiving people. Wow, you forgive people a third better. You're 31% less likely to feel discouraged and you're 14% less likely to experience fear or anxiety. When I was in chemistry, I had a chemistry class. I took chemistry in college, but I took, when I was in high school, I think we did what was called a titration experiment. Anybody ever heard about that? Yeah, yeah, Mark DeVito. No one else does? Good, I'll tell you about it. Oh, okay, all right, some of you do. Well, the idea is it's about a saturation point. So you've got this container of liquid, and you are measuring... Um, a substance, a dry substance that you're putting into the, the liquid. 
And so you put a little bit in it and you stir it and the liquid stays clear and you put some more and you keep measuring because you're trying to find the titration point. You put more and you stir it perfectly clear. You put more, you stir it perfectly clear. Then there is one amount that when you finally reach that point and you put it into the container, the entire container goes from perfectly clear to completely cloudy. And see, that's what the Bible does. It's um, more like uh, vitamins than a caffeine energy drink. And here's what's going to happen today. Some of you are going to listen to what I'm saying, and some of you are going to listen to some of the Bible that we're going to read out together. You're going to feel nothing. Some of you are going to feel something. But all of you, if you keep reading it, will see your life take on a brand new vitality. I'm serious. I'm so serious. I have at times um, struggled with not feeling great. I'm not saying I was depressed, but I could see it from there. And I would have certain Bible verses that I would simply, I would walk and I would, I would pray them. One of them is Psalm, Psalm 91. And Psalm 91, if you haven't read that in a while, it's the most amazing promise in the Bible. It's, 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 it's too good to be true truth. But I would find as I prayed through that and as I said that, I would initially feel nothing. But I would gradually, maybe within half an hour, maybe within 45 minutes, suddenly things would, things would start to shift. So that's a very important um, a survey. It's, it's remarkable. It didn't even say they were believing what they were reading. It just, well, I'm sure they were, though. I mean, that's what, that's what begins to happen. So I've got these great Bible verses that uh, I want us to take a look at. And so the first one is, um, I think you'll see on the screen, is it Ephesians 1.1 and 3 John 2? Do you see those together? Let's read those together. You know, there's a, high de- there's a whole idea of what you learn, what gets in you. Listening, certain percentage of learning. Listening and writing, the same thing, certain percentage of learning. Listening, writing, and speaking, it, it, it all amps up and ramps up. So let's read this together. Ephesians 1.1. 1, 1. May God himself, the heavenly Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into your lives. And let's just read the second one. Both of these were prayers. One was Paul's, another one was the Apostle John's. Beloved friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way and that you continually enjoy good health just as your soul is prospering. Total well-being. That's what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Ephesian church. May God himself, the heavenly Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release something you deserve, no grace over you, and impart to you total well-being. 
Paul prayed that our Father would release a level of grace over our lives that would be an impartation that he termed total well-being. Is it possible? Is that possible? Well, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Is it possible to prosper in every way and to be in health? Now, we're not like a... We're not like a Cadillac Prosperity Church. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) You got Cadillac faith? I used to hear that 25 years ago. But we believe God wants us to do well, right? Right? Come on. Everybody ought to think that. Now, I've got four kids, a couple of them married. I want them to do well. I do. I want them to prosper. I want them to do well. And I want them to do good things with what they do. And that's that river. John Mark was talking about that river. Um, so let's just, okay, we, let's just say this by faith. We absorb that word this morning. By faith, what does that mean? It just means, repeat after me. We absorb that word this morning. Feeling, no feeling, we say yes. We say yes. We say, good, that's a good thing. We say, amen. Amen. Okay. Now, the next one is Ephesians 1.3. Let's read this astronomical promise together. Come on. Every, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father, the father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. That's why we celebrate him with all our hearts. Well, that's what is every spiritual blessing? Well, um, it says in one of the gospels, a man can receive Nothing. Say nothing. But that it is given to him from above. It's everything. It's whatever we receive. It's, it's, um, I just made a little list here. Did you know that God has already, 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 already <laughs> lavished upon, <laughs> I wanted to get stuck on that one. Already passed, already lavished upon us. As a love gift, every spiritual blessing that heaven has to offer, which health, healing, financial provision, forgiveness, joy, destiny for our lives, relational grace, wisdom, purity. And Paul says, that's why we celebrate our Father with all our hearts. Well, I think we celebrate him with all our hearts as the reality of these things we actually experience. We're going to talk about maybe why we don't experience. So why is it important to focus on these truths? Because they don't seem true. Yes. Right? Right. Right? Right. Uh, here's a good one from Psalm 91. No disease shall ever come to your house. Oh, okay. 
You know why we need to believe that? Because it doesn't seem true. I mean, that's what the, don't you understand? That's why we have a Bible. Do, you know, or do you gauge whether the Bible is true based on your experience? You're not going to be very happy. No, it's, it's a warfare manual. It's, it's, um, supplies, benefits, and, and things so that we can navigate through Gosh, if you can just navigate successfully through the church world, you're doing great. (laughs) But all of this stuff really does seem too good to be true. So you just have to make up your mind if you're going to believe it. Now, All of these benefits are real. All of these can be experienced. But one of the problems we have is that these things often happen to us by process. They're not automatic. They don't immediately happen. Or you don't immediately feel the benefits sometimes of what we see here. But they happen to us by process of walking with the Lord, trusting the Lord, and here's something we need, and being intentional about it. Four times a week, that's your basic minimum requirement, and it's not a requirement. If it's a requirement, you probably won't do it. But if you see the value of it and receive the benefit of it, you'll do it. But if you gotta, 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 you just back under the law and you'll dribble out. But Here's something we need to remember. A blueprint and a pile of lumber and hammers and saws and a collection of power tools is not a house. It takes a process, wisdom, faith, persistence to build a good house and to build a good life. And their hindrances. For instance, if you don't believe these things, you're certainly not going to enjoy them. You're not. Now, there are seasons, and I like this, and I think we're coming into one. There are seasons when I think the Lord, there, uh, it's, it's um, like a Kairos time. It's, uh, it's a time where God will do things, even good things, in your life, whether you like it or not, whether you participate or not. He does that sometimes. There talks about times of refreshing that come from the presence of the Lord. So they can be these kairos moments where every single person is going to get blessed. And it's not because of your process. But generally, these things come by by process. And unbelief hinders it. Faith comes by hearing. This is the New King James. And hearing by the word of God. Another translation says, so then faith is by a report. And the report through a saying of God. In other words, it's not just mimicking Bible verses, but it's having a believing engagement with the Scripture or with someone speaking the Scripture. And then faith comes. Uh, other hindrances, lack of knowledge, not knowing what God's promises are to us that believe. Bitterness, unforgiveness, restrict our capacity to enjoy them also. So... Those are some hindrances. Now, Ephesians 1, 4 through 6. Are we there? Let's read this together. Since you refused last time, I want you to participate with me. And he 
chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. I don't understand that. I don't understand it. But, okay, I'm in. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. For it was always in the perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one. So that his tremendous love that does what? Cascades over us. I don't feel anything. You got to get in cascade mode, bro. Wouldn't it be terrible if love was cascading over us and we were disagreeing with it? Well, now you're all right. So that the tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace for the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus. And this unfolding plan brings him great pleasure. Gosh, come on. This can't be true. Yeah. I had a guy, I had an encounter with the Lord and I read a book where this guy said that never happened. That never happens. I said, you can say you don't believe it happens, but you can't say it never happens because you don't have the sum total of every experience everybody ever had. Come on. Strap on some humility. Push your old reasoning. Oh, treasonous, unregenerate part of your mind over to the side and receive some cascading love. It'll do you some good. Come on. So that these tremendous love, what's it doing? It's cascading over us. Would glorify his grace because he loves us the same way he loves his son. And this plan makes him so happy. Did you know God joined us to himself before we were born? I read it. I, will, I guess I was there. I don't know. I don't understand that, but okay. I'm with it. If he had a plan for me, you, that early, I'm in. I'm in. Understanding is overrated, by the way. But it's important. I'm not, now. Okay. Did you know that as we sit here this morning, his tremendous love cascades over us? I don't feel it sometimes. I question it. Come on. Come on. Let me tell you this. I was uh, 69th birthday on Friday. So it's Friday morning. I'm waking up. I'm, I've got some grumpy going. I'm, I'm not charging, you know, Friday's my day off. I'm not charging out into the universe that morning. And suddenly I, I just, I, I, not audibly, but I hear the Lord say, Hey, wake up. It's your birthday. Aren't you excited about it? I am. And I, I then what? <laughs> what? 
you, I couldn't imagine something that awesome or sweet. I couldn't. No, I'd have to, I'd have to think about imagining that. Somebody'd have to help me. But no, I'm in bed and the Lord is more excited over me being born than I am. He's more happy that I'm alive than I am. Crazy. That's not my natural thought in the morning. Oh, that's my birthday. Celebrate, celebrate, now celebrate. No, no. But he was that way. Hey, wake up. It's your birthday. I'm going, yeah. (laughs) For the same love he has for his beloved one he has for us. And this unfolding plan brings him such great pleasure, it says. Okay, all right. Another morning, the Lord spoke to me the same way, and this way said, each one of my children is my own special favorite. Let me say that again. He said, each one of my children is my favorite one. I thought about that, and then he followed it with this. But very few of them know it and believe it. Think about that. That's a tragedy, to be God's favorite person and not know it. Right? You're God's, you're God's favorite person. Okay, I'm going to skip down to this. I've got a couple of these, but uh, I want to... Um, Uh, let's go to Ephesians one eighteen. John Mark was talking about imagination this morning. Let's read this together. Is that that one up there? I pray, Paul's praying, that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light, until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds where? In us. Now, um, my goodness. So Paul prayed that our imagination would be illuminated so that we would be flooded with how good God feels about us. And here's the thing. He sees us as his inheritance. How many of you would look forward to a marvelous inheritance that your forefathers left for you, right? Inheritances have value. They're highly prized. They're waited for expectantly. I mean, you don't hope your folks die, but I mean, you know what I'm saying. But it's something. It's a part of your legacy. It's a part of the transference of, of destinies in your family line. And those inheritances enrich the life of those who inherit. And so God is saying, you, you enrich my life. God is saying to us that we 
enrich his life as an inheritance. He sees us that way. He's excited to have inherited us. We enrich him by who we are. Here's a great truth. There is more in us. Let's, let's, let's do this. Let's say there's more in me to get excited about than I know. There's more in us to get excited about than we know about. That's so good, Robin. Thank you for telling us that. I'm so happy I came this morning. Now, I'm going to do a a little something different. I was reading, um, what was the name of that book? Dallas Willard, Divine Conspiracy. Is that it? Yeah, Dallas Willard's book. And he was talking about, we don't understand where the kingdom of God really is. We think heaven is on a planet out there. So he was looking at these verses of scripture and there's one Greek word in most Bibles in Acts 11, 5 through 10. And in those um, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 verses, it's translated three different ways. Same word translated three different ways based on the translator's theology or revelation. So let me read this to you. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object coming down like a great sheet lowered by four corners from the sky. The first time it's translated the sky. And it came right down to me. And when I had fixed my gaze on it and was observing it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth and the wild beast and the crawling creatures and the birds of the air. Second time it's translated. First time sky, second time air. But I said, uh, oh, and then the Lord said, I heard a voice saying, rise, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing unholy or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a voice from, and here it is again, a voice from heaven answered a second time what God has cleansed no longer consider holy. This happened three times and everything was drawn back up into the sky. So the same word was translated sky, air, and heaven. Same word. Why would they do that? I don't know. But here's the idea. Where do birds fly? Sky, air. That's where the kingdom is. It's just different dimension, but it's it's just there. It's right there. It's not off there. It's right here. So... He talks about the birds that were in the sky. He talked about this scroll that came out of, let's say, the sky. And he talked about the voice that spoke to him out of the sky or air or heaven. But here's the idea not to try to confuse you even more than the translators were confused. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's within us. It's faith away. It's breath away. It's dimension away. It's not geographical. It's spiritual. 
It's right here, right now. And every single promise, every single benefit, all of that that we just read and more is a breath away. A breath away. There's another word, spirit, pneuma. Sometimes it's translated air. Sometimes it's translated breath. Sometimes it's translated wind. But I have seen this before. There's something about faith. There's something about hearing a promise that you can literally, and I'm using literal in a literal sense. A lot of people use literally figuratively, but I'm using literal literally. You can breathe in that promise. The minute you get scared, your breathing is affected. Fear has a physical effect on your life. Faith has a physical effect on your life. Here's one of the things I wanted to pray, and here's what I want everybody to receive this morning, is um, strength. Do you know how Paul would strengthen the believers? He would do it this way. He would say, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Years ago, years ago, I think it was 2003, I had a dream. And in this dream, the Lord said, this is crazy, but this is a little bit of my life. It's not crazy, but it's a little bit different. The Lord said, uh, you're exhausted here. Eat a piece of pie. Okay, so I ate a piece of pie. I thought, what in the world was that? Oh, you know what the Lord was really telling me to eat? He was telling me to eat 22 sevenths. He was telling me to eat 3.14 which is an inexhaustible number. He was telling me that I could imagine that I, three, three trillion digits to the numerical, I don't know if it's a quotient, constant, a numerical constant, pi, 3.14. Here's what the Lord was saying by type, by play on words. And see, the Lord will speak to you in these unique ways because it captures your imagination. And there's more in the word than there's ever in the little, I mean, what a picture's worth a thousand words. Some of these word pictures open up to us. But the Lord was saying, I'm inexhaustible. I never get tired. I don't even go to bed at night. I stay up all day and all night, and then I do it again. And I want you to just... Breathe some strength in from me. Have a piece of pie. Have some inexhaustible benefit this morning. Let's do that. I receive from the Lord the inexhaustible one strength in every area of my life where I need it. Amen. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.